Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Gransom. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. One of the big farming trade shows is just a week away. With a new location, we look ahead to this year's cereals. It's at the Thorsby Estate, which is a really beautiful location. More exhibitors, more content, more theatres, and then all the usual um, old favourites. We'll hear about Lens Light, the Lincolnshire Wolds tractor run, and Sean Sparling has some important agronomy advice for us. Things aren't looking too bad out there at all, really, but looking is the operative word, because in some cases, from a distance, all seems absolutely tickety-boo, but in some of these fields, once you start looking, things aren't quite as straightforward or rosy. Plus the market's prices and the weather for the week ahead. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week. It's a busy old time for farming, not just on the farm, of course, but with summer here, plenty of shows and events. The 116th Messingham Show, just south of Scunthorpe, is on next Saturday. Open Farm Sunday, with a dozen Lincolnshire farms opening their gates to the public next week. And the charity Lincolnshire Wolds Tractor Run is back. Last year, it raised over £3,000 for Marie Curie Cancer Care. Organiser Pete Cook, have we got many taking part so far this year? There's quite a high figure of interest in it and quite a number of people who have said they're going to attend. So we just out the weather. It's a difficult thing. Now, make the mind up on the Wednesday before the weekend. If it talks of a wet weekend, well, it could be a little bit. The diehards will come, but I don't know about, you know, but we're just out and pray. June, you should be expecting some decent weather. You'd think so. Let's keep fingers crossed. So where's everybody meeting and what's the route, Pete? Everybody can come to Cordwell's Farm in the middle of Ludborough, DN36 5SGE. They can arrive from 7 o'clock in the morning. We've got catering going on there, so they can have a bacon bun and a cup of tea, ready for a 10 o'clock uh, departure. And then we can take a scenic route, a little bit off-road, over the Lincolnshire Wolds, try to pick some nice views of the Umbra, etc., etc., and then we'll arrive roughly between 12 and 1 o'clock at uh, Stately Vale Open Farm Sunday. These things are always a great sight to see. Can the public spectate along the way? And they can. I mean, we're doing a bit of a northern route. I try to vary it as much as I can, but we're sort of like going through Walt Newton, uh, Ravendale, Hatcliffe, up to the Swallow Cookswold area, probably round by Rothwell, Norberby Top, and then uh, dropping down into Stately Vale. And, we'll... and this is raising money for charity again. So uh, what what are you raising the money for? Believe it or not, it's our 15th run. We started about 2007-8, and we've always done it for the Marie Curie charity. Now, uh, obviously, with post-pandemic and things, it's been difficult for them to raise money because of the lack of public events to do so. So it's so important. Ours is a little drop in the ocean, but it all counts at the end of the day. Where can we go for more information, Pete? On Facebook, there's a separate Facebook page, Lincolnshire Wolves Tractor Run 2023. Uh, So all the information's on that. All right, Pete. Well, let's, uh, as you say, keep fingers crossed for the weather and uh, lots of tractors out on the day. Just remind us of the date. 11th of June. 
Lovely. Thank you, Pete. Lovely. Thanks ever so much, Steve. I'm really, really looking forward to riding with the lead tractor next Sunday. Hope to see you there and at the Open Farm Sunday event at Hall Farm, Stainton the Vale. And there's more information on that and all the farms taking part on farmsunday.org. To the fields we go now for a look at the crops with our independent agronomist, Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Steve. Things aren't looking too bad out there at all, really, but looking is the operative word because in some cases from a distance all seems absolutely tickety-boo, but in some of these fields, once you start looking, things aren't quite as straightforward or rosy from a rust or septoria point of view. And the weather over the last few weeks has really suited disease way more than it has farmers and agronomists. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at some of the varieties we have out there. Zyat although why anybody still grows such a horrible rusty variety makes me scratch my head sometimes. Other varieties as well, Incitor, Skyfall, Skyscraper, Graham as well in many cases, seem to be those varieties in particular that are home to varyingly bad levels of yellow rust in particular, irrespective of some of the fungicide programmes that have already been put in place. Now that's particularly in fields where the T1 and or the T2 were compromised, whether that be from rain following application, applications to a wet leaf or where doses or product choice or both had been compromised, whether that's because of the cost or the availability of the product or whatever. But also, just as likely, it seems this year, we're seeing it where timings, product choices and doses all went according to plan. And we see these issues to a certain extent and certain level every single year. It's not everywhere, of course. In fact, it's not even in all fields of the same varieties on the same farm. But most certainly more yellow rust in particular and septoria than we've seen for a year or two. Now, yellow rust is one of those diseases that will all express itself and by that I mean even if the crop was clean and free from rust when you applied your T2 if it had latent yellow rust within the leaf then the fungicide as long as it's capable and active on yellow rust will kill it within that leaf but the leaf is still going to die off in the areas where that rust was about to show through always expresses itself so you do inevitably lose green leaf area without the yellow rust pustules ever having to express the crop will though over the next couple of weeks of course become greener because as the air rises above the canopy the fields are going to appear to be green anyway and that will stop your neighbour commenting but you do also get some green leaf regeneration from many of the modern fungicides for those damaged areas after yellow rust the green island I think they used to call it and so your T3 which I'm coming on to can be used to top up that rust and foliar disease too there's an opportunity to top up foliar disease control at that T3 timing the first anthers now starting to show in my most forward bits so growth stage 60 61 most of my wheat crops are really probably somewhere more between 52 and 60 though with the relatively dry and suddenly cool conditions that we now find ourselves in though is the ear disease not quite a threat this year actually you know ear disease is always a potential threat so planning is your best approach gauge the risk prioritize the quality wheats over the feed wheat always choose a product for fusarium ear blight or microdochium when you do go that's your target at t3 and you know if you need to top up that yellow rust control then or septoria control perhaps choose a product which has got some incidental rust control and septoria control as well, particularly on those varieties I mentioned earlier on, if they're dirty. Now, if it's warm, wet weather at early flowering in wheat, it tends to be Fusarium culmorum and Fusarium graminearum, which are the most concerning. Culmorum graminearum both produce the toxins deoxynivelanol and xerolone, or DONS and ZONS. So as well as reducing the overall yield by infesting the ears and reducing grain number and grain set, they also affect quality and marketability. If, however, we 
we stay with these colder, damp weather conditions, then microdochium is going to be the predominant disease. And microdochium infused aerium species are both becoming more and more prevalent year on year. You really can't let your guard down. And why we're seeing more of them is that there's been a move towards low-till, min-till, no-till, non-inversion cultivation strategies over the last few years. Ploughing is a really dirty word. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if you beeped it out on Sunday morning, actually, Steve. But these non-inversion methods of cultivation, which are now the norm, are adding to the problem. And if you add to that the huge increase we've seen in maize cultivation, which also harbours massive quantities of fusarium spores, and as microdochium and fusarium also spread through infected seed, you can see that, in fact, if your T1 disease control application wasn't geared to control fusarium, or if that was compromised earlier this season, then early fusarium, which we know was widespread throughout the wheat crop earlier this season, as we all know, the levels in the crop itself are going to be high too. And both fusarium, culmorum and graminarium species will start to release their spores. In fact, they'll be doing it right now. So as the wheat start to flower, rain splash is going to help release asexual spores or canidia from fusarium culmorum, and it's wind-blown asexual spores or ascospores that are the source of inoculum from graminarium. So if you think about it, pretty much any weather conditions between cool, mild, damp, wet and windy or all five they're all going to aid in the spread of fusarium. And it's been a cool, windy week, hasn't it? So you can draw your own conclusions about the risk, and I'll leave it at that. So you can see why the timing of that T3 is so crucial. Tebuconazole, metconazole, prothiconazole, the best tools for fusarium ear diseases. Strobs very good against microdochium, but only two strobs allowed in a season, if you remember, under the FRAC guidelines, so don't forget that. So as soon as those first anthers appear, you need to go, particularly if things turn wet at that point. You've got about 24 hours to do a really good job and that'll be the best job you can do and just ignore how recently those T2s went onto the crop. It's ear disease that's the target at T3 and the T2 won't have helped with that. Remember if it does turn wet at flowering even if you time your T3 perfectly on the perfect day with the perfect dose of the perfect product you'll get about 50% fusarium control at best which doesn't look very good in a bad year. Septoria triticae as well pretty widespread in weeks this year up to leave two on some of these crops but if you've managed to time your program thus far as well as you could by actually looking at the crop growth stage rather than just having a guess or looking at your neighbour going waiting for him to go and start or by going by the calendar date and you've used robust rates of good quality products and you've mixed the various active groups of chemistry then there's really very little more you can do. Spring beans and indeed spring peas starting to flower in those earlier drillings so thoughts starting to turn to first fungicide pea moth traps out now in my peas so do monitor and treat those wherever necessary. Winter beans still battling the chocolate spot, but again, pretty much in hand for the now anyway. Miser thresholds being reached and exceeded in non-cruise addressed sugar beet and the cruise addressed sugar beet, which were drilled in early April, which is now running out of protection too. So do keep checking those crops for the wingless nymph. Not getting many Smith periods for the potato growers at the moment, but it seems every day is a hunting period and always the best to be proactive with potato blight. So once they get to rosette plus, it's all about risk and reward with spuds. Spring barley T2s going on to the forward bits. I've still got plenty of T1s to go on on the backward bits. Spring wheat's throwing out the flag leaves too, so T2 imminent on those as well in the next 7-10 days. Hopefully last weekend's weather wasn't the last of summer and that was the end of it on a nice 23 degree day, but with a bit of luck it will warm up again soon. Mind you, we do need a drop of rain, so let's see what the next 7 days bring. Thanks as ever Sean. That's Sean Sparling. Sparling Agronomy Services back same time next week week.
The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. One of the big farming trade shows returns next week, this time with a new location near Newark. Olivia Cooper from Cereals. Good morning. Looking forward to another big show. Where are we then this year? Yeah, well, we've got a new site this year, which is really exciting. Um, It's at the Thorsby Estate, which is a really beautiful location. Uh, It's got some nice sort of rolling pasture and some trees, and it's 30% larger, a bigger place. We've got more exhibitors, uh, more content, more theatres, and then all the usual um, old favourites of Syngenta Sprays and Sprayers Arena, the Nyab Soil Hall, the usual that everybody loves to come and see. And plenty of speakers. Yes, absolutely. So we have the main stage where all of the sort of very uh, the, the technical and political uh, type speakers will be. They're running um, throughout both days. And then we've got new stages. We've got an Ag Analyst Academy, which is all around kind of making the most of precision farming. We've got the new Stories stage, which is bringing together a real variety of speakers, some people who are social media gurus, as it were. We've got the Wurzels there. We've got our charity, the Multiple System Atrophy Trust fundraiser. So there's, there's a huge amount going on for people. The Wurzels. Goodness me, that takes me back a bit. absolutely that's going back to even my childhood that is and it's not just a case though of go along and be lectured to and have a look at some new equipment and things like that there's lots of learning opportunities aren't there oh definitely I mean that that's really what it's all about it's not about being preached to it's about learning from other farmers and and researchers and and everything that's going on it's about seeing your peers it's the networking opportunity We've obviously got a, a really wide range of physical demonstrations of all sorts of different types of machinery. But all of the seminars have proper farmers. You know, we're not just putting out academics. We're, we're really wanting to, to have stories being told both ways and having a, a dialogue and meeting the best of the best who are out there. And as you say, there's a social element to it as well, isn't it? It's great to actually get get together, meet fellow farmers, meet people who know what they're talking about in the industry and have a bit of socialising. Definitely. I mean, farming can be a very isolating job. So it's really, really important to have these opportunities to get out there, meet your friends, meet your peers, share ideas, catch up over a drink. It's just such an important part of our rural community. Absolutely. Have we got anything new being shown or exhibited that you know about? We've got some real cutting edge technology. We've got autonomous vehicles. We've got drones. People can come along and actually get behind the wheel in the off-road experience with Isuzu. Uh, There's also an arrive and drive with Bedna. People can get in a vehicle and actually go alongside the cultivating equipment as it's in action. So you get a real kind of close eye view of it rather than just sort of standing at the side of a field. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to see. And, of course, this focuses on arable, which is very, very big, of course, in Lincolnshire. And you have the agronomy zone. What's being done there? The crop plots are always a really big draw for farmers. Being able to see physical crops in the ground against each other, trying to choose different varieties, new varieties are coming out all the time, and being able to see them literally alongside each other and 
speak to the breeders who've been involved in developing these varieties for years and years. It takes a really long time to bring a new variety to market. So getting that real understanding and knowledge and physically being able to see them in the ground is is unrivaled, really. And these are small crop plots to be able to actually physically see what happens when the plants come through. Yes, yes, absolutely. And there are also um, some live trials which have been going on. The cereals event takes almost a year to put into place because you have to drill these winter crops way back in September before they're ready to look at in June. And so we've had some trials with some biostimulants and different types of fertilizers going on over those months. So again, people can see whether it's made a difference and talk to the people who who are behind the science. Excellent. Uh, It's going to be a great couple of days. It always is. Uh, Just remind us then of where and when and where can we go for more information, Olivia? So it is on the 13th and 14th of June, that's Tuesday and Wednesday, at Thorsby Estate, which is near Newark. And for more information, if you visit the website, which is serialsevent.co.uk, and half all ticket prices, half the sales from all the tickets will go towards the, uh, the charity that we're fundraising for. Which is? <laughs> the Multiple System Atrophy Trust. Lovely. Olivia, I'm sure it'll be a great couple of days. It always is. I look forward to seeing you there. Olivia Cooper from Serials, thanks for joining us on the Farming Programme this morning. You're very welcome. Nice to talk to you. Links FM Farming. Market reports. Starting with livestock and the return of Louth Livestock Market auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Oliver. Morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth, starting with the cattle. With steers selling to 285 pence per kilo or £1,702 for F. Wallace and Sons Biscothorpe. While the heifers sell to 285 pence per kilo for RA and Sons Limited of Harmston or £1,475 for John Thirlby of Kexby. On to the sheep, 274 lambs SQQ at 358.34 pence per kilo and top for Scrivelsby Farms Limited at 386 pence per kilo or £170 per head. On to the hogs, an SQQ of 219.7 pence per kilo but it must be said most of the hogs in the uh, SQQ weight bracket were either Swales, Shetlands or lean hogs with the all-in average of 242.39. Best fed hogs topping at 306 pence per kilo or £149 per head for AJ Colson Sons. On to the cool ewes and another fantastic trade sees an all-in average of £122.80 to top for Shaw Brothers of Binbrook at £172 per head while the cool rams all-in average £154 and top at £188 per head for B. Poucher and Son of Martin. Finally, just a handful of store hogs top for new vendors F. Wilkinson of uh, Bourne at £97 per head. Huge thank you to everyone that's been in supported this week and to everyone that kept the ship sailing while I was away last week. We're back on tomorrow with store, all classes of prime and cool, cattle and sheep and store cattle with a tremendous entry already forward. So for all marketing options of livestock, please do not hesitate to contact me. And before you go, Oliver, do you want to tell us a bit about an important event you've got coming soon, Len's Light? Who was Len? Yeah, so Len was the son of a farming family from Leicestershire who sadly took his own life just a bit over 12 months ago. And the family, Andy and uh, Linda, his mum and dad, want to raise awareness of mental health within agriculture as an industry to all ages. They are doing a tractor relay going from John O'Groats to Land's End. 
although it's a very uh, cross-country route, trying to arrive at as many livestock markets as they can across the country. Because they recognise, I think, as part of this, the importance of the livestock markets, not just for selling livestock, but as a place to bring the rural community together, don't they? Yes, definitely. And get people socialising and seeing people. Obviously, everybody knows that agriculture is very isolated wherever you are and the livestock and arable side of it especially. And some farmers probably won't see anybody each week. So the chance for people to come to the livestock market and socialise and meet people is a very good way of um, getting any problems or anything off their chest while also uh, meeting and seeing friends at the same time. When is this taking place, Oliver? On Friday the 30th of June, the arrival time for Andy and Linda is approximately 7.30 in the evening um, and we're having an event that will run from 7 o'clock with a bit of a charity auction and a bite to eat and which will give Andy and Linda the chance to meet as many people as they can and also uh, explain why they're doing it and raise awareness um, for such good causes at the same time. Now you talked about the charity auction, you're looking for some prizes aren't you? Yes, definitely. Um, all will be greatly received. We've got some great prizes already of overnight stays in uh, lodges up in the Lincolnshire Wolds to uh, days clay shooting. But yes, any extra prizes or businesses that wish to uh, get involved or uh, donate prizes, then they can uh, find all my uh, contact details on our Lamp Market website. What kind of prizes are you talking about? Are they got to be agriculture related or can anything be included? Anything at all. I was going to say anything that can be sold for charity. So what are the charities, Oliver? SCN, which is a farm community network. There is another one for mental health within young people. And there is a Mind Your Head as well, all of which are aimed at the mental health and well-being of everybody whilst also being aimed at the uh, agricultural side of the population. Great stuff. Where could somebody go for more information about this, Oliver? So onto our Loud Market website um, and onto the calendar and under the 30th of June, all the details will be on there. And I'm looking forward to being there and joining you on the evening myself. So I hope we get loads of people, raise loads of money. Oliver, thank you. No, thank you very much. Now with a look at the grain markets and with guide prices, Open Fields' Alice Killam. Morning, Alice. Good morning, Steve. June is upon us, although the weather hasn't inspired us to don our shorts so far. We saw another negative start to this week on the back of a long weekend. The irony, of course, which will not be lost on you, is that tensions between Russia and Ukraine have not calmed by any means, even if you consider the fact that Erdogan, the chief dealmaker in the Black Sea Initiative, has been successfully sworn back into office. It is widely reported that Russia is continuing to demand the reopening of their ammonia pipeline. Russia used to export 4.5 million tonnes of ammonia each year, with the discussed pipeline able to pump 2.5 of that figure. Ukraine will only allow ammonia to transit if the grain deal is expanded to small Ukrainian ports and a wider range of commodities. Another factor for the confusion in direction lies with the weather models in the US, which remain unchanged. Although we have seen rain in some states, Minnesota certainly, many of the others are forecast dry for at least another fortnight, which certainly won't do them any good whatsoever. Continuing with the weather, Chinese wheat production prospects are threatened by torrential rains, with authorities calling farmers to harvest their crops as soon as possible to avert further quantity and quality losses. This could increase their demand for quality wheat imports in the coming season, but also increase their feed wheat stocks. At this stage, we seem to be trapped in a bit of a spiral. Crude oil has dropped further, often proving a bit of a benchmark for other commodities. 
Worryingly, US wheat is now cheaper than US corn. This is something that last happened over 10 years ago. In just two weeks, wheat has gone from 70 cents per bushel over corn to 70 cents down per bushel. We are seeing Russian wheat values continuing to drop and everyone else is going along for the ride, frightened to be left behind with stocks at the end of the season. AHDB are even suggesting that the UK could have a carryout number of 2.44 million metric tonnes of wheat at the end of the year, which would be a 32% increase on last season. A talking point amongst a few in the trade recently has been the type of trading seen with regards to futures. I'll keep this brief, but essentially we are seeing the use of codes and algorithms to take positions and make money, and this is very much seems here to stay. The analysis work is done by both humans and computers in London and Wall Street, which are reactive to newswire headlines and technical and momentum signals, not exclusively grain related, with increasing volatility and large intraday movements. This has all led to one commentator's remark, wheat is not trading wheat anymore. Estimated world barley production has been reduced again, with a further drop of 2.8 million tonnes. This is mostly due to the ongoing drought problem in Spain, where the earlier optimistic barley crop of 7.7 million tonnes has been reduced now to only 5 million. Despite this, world barley prices, including the UK, have continued to follow wheat down. We are now about 50% down from the war fueled high point of May 2022. Guide prices for this week, circa Friday morning, feed wheat, July 160 to 170, September 165 to 170, November 170 to 175. Feed barley, circa 140 to 145, and all seed rape, circa 315. That's all for another week. As usual, please call for firm values as the level of volatility seen is changing prices hourly. Thanks very much, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. It's looking like being another dry, mild week. High pressure persists, keeping things calm and settled. No rain to speak of all week. Plenty of sunshine every day and the wind will stay northerly or northeasterly, never getting much above the mid-teens MPH. Temperatures get up to upper teens Celsius during the day, dropping to around 7 overnight. Well, that's your lot for this week. Next Sunday at 7 or whenever you want online, the app, podcast or smart speaker. We'll talk farm safety and a new farm sustainability collaboration. Plus, of course, the week in agriculture. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.